Uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to talk about Noah and the ark. Um, and uh, we're going to be spending some time there talking about Noah and the ark. What do we know about Noah? What do we know about the story of Noah? Anybody? What do you know about Noah? He was faithful. Okay. It's a very church, very church Sunday school answer right there. He was faithful. Right? Heck of a carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. He was a carpenter, right? He built this. Anyway, okay. What else do we know? What do we know about Noah? People thought he was crazy, right? People thought he was crazy. Have people ever thought you're crazy? Really? People thought he was crazy. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're going to talk about a faith that's crazy this morning. But what else? What do we know about Noah? His grandfather, yeah. Noah's grandfather, yeah. What else? One or two more. What do we know about Noah? He was obedient. Yeah. One more. This might bring us home with the grand finale. What do we know about Noah? No, 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 no. He was faithful. He was faithful. Yep, yep. We'll book in with that. He was faithful to God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 7, um, says this, uh, that by faith, Noah, um, excuse me, let me find it. Uh, by faith, there's by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, basically what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take the story of Noah, which really happens in about four chapters in the book of Genesis. Um, everybody know where the book of Genesis is? It's the first one. Okay, it's the first one. It's the easiest one to find, right? Book of Genesis. We're going we're to take the four chapters because what, what the writer of Hebrews did here in verse 7 is basically summarize the entire story of Noah in one verse. By faith, right? Noah was a man of faith, right? Noah was a man of outrageous faith, audacious faith, crazy faith, right? Let's just say it. By faith, Noah being warned by God. He was warned by God. We have warnings all the time, don't we? Yellow lights are a warning. For some of you, red lights are just the warning. But we, that's a whole different message, okay? Um, but but, but, but we, we live by warnings all of the time. Some of us are good at following warnings and listening to warnings. And, and, and some of us um, still have some lessons to learn. Okay, but by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Now that's where the big faith piece comes in. The crazy faith piece comes in, right? Because... Because God promised a flood. Here's the truth. Noah had never even seen rain. Right? And so the fact that Noah took 120 years to build a floating device, right? You can't even really call it a boat because it, it didn't have a wheel. It didn't have a motor. It didn't have you know, any of those things, right? It was a big floating device. And, and the fact that he hadn't even seen rain, that was a huge act of faith. In reverent fear, faith, right? In reverent fear, constructed an ark, right? Worship for the saving of his household. By this, though, and, and, and here's the part where many of us struggle with Noah. We struggle with the story of Noah because, because, because it's, it, you get to the end of the story of Noah, right? Where, where God essentially wiped out an entire culture with, and, and saved one family. How could a loving God do that? 
right? But by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Big question that we've got to start out with. I can't talk about Noah without going here. Do you know why they didn't play cards on the ark? Because Noah was standing on the deck. Amen. Right? Amen. So let's go back to Genesis. Wow. It's been a few weeks since I've preached, so I've got some of those stored up. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Genesis chapter 6, we're going to read a few of these verses here, verse 11 through 21. Let's look at the story of Noah, and then we're going to come. I've got three things to give you from the story of Noah, three truths to point out, and then four, four applications for you today, four applications for each and every one of us today. And if you think that's good, the whole Noah standing on the deck thing, this afternoon, this afternoon, I believe we're going to become the most corny church on the planet at our corn roast, okay? So just, it's, it, it's going to be coming all day. All right, starting verse 11. Now the earth, okay, Genesis six eleven. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Can you imagine, just for a moment, being Noah and hearing the voice of God and this being the message? Right? I mean, I mean let's place ourselves in Noah's shoes for just a moment. Can you imagine? I have seen the earth. I have seen it. And it's corrupt. And here's my plan. Right? And here's the thing. This is nothing new to God. This is, not, this is not isolated to the story of Noah. We see this throughout Scripture. The story of Jonah, right? I've seen the city of Nineveh. It's wickedness. And I plan to blot them out. I plan to take them out, to destroy them. But Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, right? I want you to preach to them because I'm going to give them a chance for repentance, Right? We know the story. Jonah boards the ship to Tarshish, the opposite direction of Nineveh. God sends a storm, a fi great fish. Don't know that it's a whale. Could have been, right? But a big fish. Swallow up Jonah, spit him out on dry land. On Jonah chapter 3, Jonah goes and preaches to the city of Nineveh. They all repent, right? They all repent. Even the animals they talked about, right? All repent, start following God, right? And then Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's like, I knew you were going to do this, God. So why did you waste your time with me? I was great. I was all happy where I was. Why did you spend time with me? And then we don't even really get to see what, ha what comes of Jonah because the point is really the forgiveness of God and the gospel, not necessarily Jonah's attitude, right? But anyway, back to the point. This is nothing new, right? God, the whole theme of the Old Testament, we talk about this often, blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience. And we don't like to think about that Right? We don't like to think about that necessarily, God being a just God, but it's one of my favorite attributes about Him. Right? There are blessings when we are obedient, and there are cursings when we're disobedient. It's a bad day. Okay? And so, and so can you imagine being Jonah here and hearing God? 
I have determined to make an end of all flesh. I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So then he goes on to say, verse 14, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it um, inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold... I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives, with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort of thing into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. And this is where someday, it's not going to be the first question I ask God, it's not even going to be in the top 10, but at some point, right, in eternity, I hope to get to the point where I can talk to God about some of the things that he could have left on the earth to be destroyed, right? I mean, amen? Okay, right? But two of all creatures, right, male and female, um, then verse 20, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Sounds, that's a big responsibility. Right? Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. And then verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Now, I would love to know, right? I would love to know what Noah thought about as he heard God lay out all of these instructions. I mean, again, it took him 120 years to build the thing, right? So you can imagine the undertaking, right? To store up all of the food for the animals, to store up all of the food for his family, to go and walk through this process again. Remember when he hadn't even seen rain before and yet the promise of a flood, the promise of wiping out the earth. And yet in verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And I love that. We know from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, again, that he was warned by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. The first thing I want to point out to you is that Noah's faith was grounded on the Word of God. God gave a warning. This is going to happen. It's corrupt. I'm wiping it out, right, Noah? Get on, a, get on a boat. Here's how I want you to build it. Again, not a boat, a floating device, right? And this was a very serious thing, a very serious warning. Total destruction of the earth and all the living creatures on it. And the one thing I want to talk about, about this warning, is that it was a warning that God was under no obligation to give. It was a warning that God was under no obligation to give. I think about the warning back to Jonah and, and, and Nineveh, right? 
God was under no obligation to send Jonah to Nineveh to give them an opportunity for repentance. Right? It was a warning that God was under no obligation to give. The people had already rejected God. The people already, had already rejected God's way. And God would have been perfectly justified. Hear me now. Hear me. <laughs> hear me. Okay? God would have been perfectly justified in destroying them without warning. Okay? We're addressing this. How could a loving God, right? But God had no desire to see his creation destroyed. His desire is that all men come to repentance. I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast the other day where one oh thanks buddy oh it even matches my shirt. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, and, and and the one of the creators of social media, one of the creators of Facebook, and 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 like putting content online for people to share and all of that was was talking and he said we never imagined that this thing that we created for sharing useful helpful things would be used for such corruptness today we never imagined right we never imagined that that these tools would turn into the devices that they're turning into now right have you ever created something right that that, that was intended for goodness greatness helpfulness that turned into corruption. We see it often, right? I think of ice cream, right? I think of ice cream. And, and everybody says, well, everything's okay in moderation. Here's the problem with ice cream. Moderation and ice cream don't belong in the same sentence. Can I get an amen, right? And so, and so we think about this, right? But yet God was under no obligation here to warn them Right? But his desire was that all would come to repentance. And Genesis 6 says that, says that this message hurt God. That he even had made man because they had, he was even hurt and kind of sorry that he had even made man because of their rejection to his appeals. And now they were going to have to face his judgment. And the giving of the warning itself is evidence of God's love and concern. And as much as we would like to sit and say that the warning is enough, sometimes it's not. Right? But this warning itself is an evidence that God's, of God's love for His people. It's an evidence that it's not God's desire to judge mankind even though He is the right. And all Noah had to go on with this whole thing was the Word of God. Not yet seen, right? Go back to, go back to Hebrews eleven seven. Not yet seen. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. All, God, all Noah had to go on was the Word of God. All Noah had to go on was the Word of God. But here's the deal. That's what faith is all about, isn't it? That's what faith is all about. And see, we've, we've gotten away from this, this, this radical faith that, that, that the church was built on, right? Where, 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 where everything we do now is calculated. Everything we do now is calculated. You, uh, we, we imagine making a step, taking a step, and not knowing if the money's going to be there. 
right? Imagine going on a trip and not knowing if you're going to return, right? Um, imagine the faith of the people in the early church that when you read the book of Acts, right, are in and out of prison for sharing their faith or in and out of prison for talking about Jesus. And I said it a few months ago, I'll say it again. We don't know in 2021 in the American church what persecution looks like. We don't know. We don't know. Everybody's making claims about this, right? Everybody's making claims about this, but nobody is standing out there, right, with, 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 with anything interviewing you as you come in. We have the freedom to come in here and worship and open the Word of God and study together, right? That's freedom. We don't know what it's like to risk our lives for the sake of the gospel. That's what faith is all about. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives the definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. See, faith is taking what God has said and believing it simply because it was said by God. Let me read that again. Faith is simply taking what God has said and believing it because it was God that said it even if there's no evidence to back it up. Even if people question it with seeming contradictions. Right? Whenever you trust the source of a warning, it brings about a change in your life, doesn't it? Whenever you trust the source of a warning, it brings about a change in your life, which brings us to number two. Not only was Noah's faith grounded in the Word of God, and that's really all he had, number two, Noah's faith changed the direction of his life. Noah's faith changed the direction of his life. Now, we, we know the story, right? Noah became the laughing stock of people. It certainly had an effect on him because we're going to talk about what happens after the flood when Noah gets off the boat and decides to celebrate uh, a little too much, okay? But Noah's faith changed the direction of his life. Okay, so go back. When you trust the source of a warning, it brings about a change in your life. Noah's faith changed the direction of his life. Have you ever watched the weather? When we listen to a weatherman, it changes the direction of our lives, doesn't it? If we hear that it's going to rain, most of us, now I know some of us are like, bring on the rain, right? Who needs a raincoat? Those are worthless, right? I, I get that. I buy into that train of thinking from time to time. Um, but if we believe the weatherman, it changes the way that we live our lives, at least for that day. It determines what we wear, whether we take an umbrella or raincoat with us or not, whether or not we have to go to school because of snow days, especially in the South, or whether or not we urge uh, to even get out of bed uh, gets the better of us, and so on and so forth, right? And our faith in the weatherman, get this, our faith in the weatherman, who is statistically not a very good prophet, changes the way that we live our lives. It changes the way that we live our lives. Right? And so we get warnings from the weatherman that, hey, it's going to be uh, you know, really humid. Hey, it's going to be really cold. It affects the way that we dress. It affects the way that we prepare for the day. It might even affect whether you drink hot coffee or cold coffee, right? But, but, but the, the, the word of the weatherman affects the way that we live. Noah believed God, and that belief turned his life inside out. 
Two things in particular were changed in Noah's life by his faith. Number one, it changed his attitude. It, it changed his attitude. Your beliefs control who you fear and who you don't. Noah didn't fear people, right? Noah didn't fear people. He preached to them. Noah did fear God. He took God seriously. He didn't play around with God. Noah's attitude was the motivation for the next thing that changed about his life. So he feared. It changed his attitude. The second thing, it changed his actions. He built. Now, God was very specific about the blueprints for the boat. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, gopher wood, three decks, painted, uh, coated with pitch or tar inside and out, one window, one door, all of that. And again, it was basically a giant floating box. But what if Noah had said, right? Let's think about this. What if Noah had said, I believe you about the coming judgment. I believe that a boat is the answer. But let's look at these design specs, right? I want to build it out of pine. It's a lot closer to my house. The gopher wood's a lot harder to get to. I don't want the boat to be so boxy, right? We got to look at the aesthetic of the thing, right? It needs to have some grace and some style. Kat, what do you think? It needs a jacuzzi, right? Maybe a sushi bar, right? It needs his and her staterooms, maybe shuffleboard on the top deck so they could do some things while they're, while they're tending, right? And it definitely needs a lot more windows to air out the smell of all those animals, right? I mean, what if, right? I want to be sitting in my captain's chair looking down my nose at, at those people when I say, told you so. And one more thing, why don't we change the name of this boat from Noah's Ark to Noah's Yacht, Right? But this wasn't for pleasure. This was responsibility and survival. And Noah realized that. And I think Noah recognized that there was going to be no time for anything in tending to the animals and caring for those things. But there were also some things that were left out of these plans that even a ship built for survival should have. There weren't any lifeboats. There was no plan B if this ark didn't work. All was lost. But Noah still had total faith and trust in God. And so it is with us. There's no plan B apart from Jesus. We've got to place all of our trust in Him. No rudder. No wheel in this giant floating device. Noah had no means of determining what direction the boat was going to go. He was at the mercy of God. He had to let God take him wherever he wanted. And here's what I'm getting at this morning, and I hope you're picking it up. That we can learn a lot from the way Noah lived his life. See, we're more than willing to get on the ark of safety, but once there, we want to steer things in the direction that we think's best. God's got a direction for us to go, and if we let Him do the steering, we'll end up not only at a place of safety, but also a place of beauty. Also a place of beauty. Number three, Noah's faith influenced every part of his world. See, it would have been a lot easier for Noah and his family if he'd been able to keep all this building stuff hidden 
if everything hadn't been so public. But it's kind of hard to hide the fact, especially in Noah's time, that you're building something when that something is one and a half football fields long, a football field wide, and the equivalent height of a four-story building. Noah had no choice but to make his faith public, and the whole direction of Noah's life changed by faith that he had. It caused him to build. It caused him to speak out. And Noah learned something that most of us have yet to get a handle on. That faith isn't just something you have. It's something you live by. It changes your life. Hebrews 10.38 says, The just shall live by faith. See, Noah did more than just impact his life on a daily basis and impacted him personally. Noah's faith in what God had said and his willingness to build a boat as a result of the faith that provided a means for his family, a rescue for his family. And it wasn't the fact that Noah built an ark or preached by by being an architect for 120 years that gained righteousness for Noah. Because it wasn't that he was sinless either. He was he was, he was fully man. Genesis 9-2, the drunkenness on the beach, the nakedness, right? It was Noah's faith in what God had said that made him righteous before God. It was the fact that he was willing to change his mind about himself, his world, and his future based solely on the Word of God. He walked by faith and not by sight. So what does this mean for us? And one of the things we've been looking at and doing with this series is how do these Old Testament stories that we've heard about, that we've learned about, you know, the animals walked in two by two, all of those different things that we, that we talk about. And if you were a Sunday school teacher on a felt board 20 years ago and you had the little animals and you were bouncing them up and down on the felt board, right? Right? All those different things. But how does this story point to Jesus? How does it remind us of the person and work of Jesus on our, uh, on our trip, on our vacation? We got an opportunity uh, to go and visit the Ark Encounter. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ark Encounter or been to the Ark Encounter, but I think it's in Williamstown, Kentucky. Okay, they've got sweet tea there; it's pretty good. Okay, um, but but we we got the opportunity as a family to go visit the Ark, and it is four stories high. It's a full kind of replica of of what this would have looked like, built to the instructions here and the blueprints here of of, of um, the size and, and the scope of the thing, right? And it was fascinating. It was fascinating. But one of the things that, 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 that this experience reminded me of is this, the first truth from the story of Noah and how it points us to Christ. Number one, there's one door. There's one door through which we can be saved. There's one door through which we can be saved. God made it clear to Noah that I want you to have one door. God gave specifics in building the ark, and he told Noah to build one door on the vessel, and that door led him and his whole family to be saved from destruction. Put a door on the side of the ark. Genesis 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Right? And just as Noah came into the ark through one door, along with his family and all the animals, there's only one door that we too are offered salvation through Christ alone. And Jesus even makes that claim in John chapter 10, verse 9. We preached on this recently. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, 
he will be saved. And so they have this there at the ark encounter. You can see the door, and this would have been a picture of what the door probably would not have looked like. I doubt he had the lot. I don't know, but um, maybe, okay? But you can, you can see, and one of the things I loved, it was one of the more impactful things to me in this experience, is there's a cross right there. I don't know if you can see that. But it was the door. Right? And so this one door in the ark was pointing to the fact that Jesus was the door to salvation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It sounds like one point, right? Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate. Right? The least. And so all throughout Scripture, we hear about this one way, this one door, this one gate, this narrow road, this one road. Right? And this door, right? And again, again. Okay, picture it, right? Uh, I don't know if he was this good of a carpenter, uh, Keith, but who knows, right? Okay, uh, it could have been, right? It was definitely built with quality, okay? But the cross there, the one door. I am the door. And Jesus says, anyone who enters by me will be saved. There's one door which we can be saved. Second thing, just as God remembered Noah, he remembers you. Just as God remembered Noah, He remembers you. What do I mean by that? The story continues with the rains pelting down, the floods rising high. The earth had never seen anything like it before. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the rain fell. Water covered the earth and all was destroyed. And this number specific is meaningful because it details the number of years God's people wandered in the desert as well as the number of days that Jesus was in the wilderness fasting, praying, and resisting the temptation of the enemy. The number 40, when used in the Bible, often points to a period of completion. And then, Genesis 7.24 says, even after the storm, the Bible says that the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now, you've got a giant floating device... You're with your family and a lot of animals that need care for 150 days. You ready? Let's do it. Us in this room, right here. Let's go on a boat where we're enclosed. We can't get off and go explore places. And we're going to take care of all kinds of animals. Okay, Bella, you got the, the spiders. Okay, all right, you two can handle the snakes. Okay, Jeff, you got the tigers. Okay, right, let's do it for 150 days, right? It'll be a great bonding experience. We'll be back by Thanksgiving, right? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. For 150 days. And that's where we found this powerful verse. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were there with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Fast forward a lot of years, Matthew twenty-eight twenty, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God remembers. He remembers. He didn't leave them on their way to fend for themselves in the midst of the storm and after, He was still with them and He cared and was faithful to bring them through. See, many of us have learned from experience that God doesn't stop the storms from happening around us. Amen? There's still hard things that we've got to walk through, but the promise is this, that He's with us. And He remembers us. Always. 
He provided a way for us through His Spirit to help us in this life, through His Son Jesus to carry us through the most difficult times. He has a plan, and we can trust Him. Number three, Noah's story reminds us that by faith we're saved. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is, is, is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, right? Now again, put yourself in Noah's shoes. God comes to you and says, hey, the world is corrupt. Yep. Right? Um, I want you to build this. And here's how I want you to build it. For I'm going to do this. And I want, to, I want you to be saved. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I want to make a covenant with you. Are we the type of people, are we a generation that would say yes and get to building? Are we a people that would take God at His word and by faith prepare the way? And by faith do what God's asked us to do? Or would we sit there and say, he didn't really mean that. Right? There's no way God would have done it. There's, there's just no way. He, who am I? Why me? Why would you choose me? For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Noah acted in faith. He was willing to stand apart from the rest of the world by living out his faith and doing what God had called him to do. And then lastly... Lastly, God's desire is for no one to perish. God's desire is for no one to perish. See, God didn't just destroy the earth with a flood in a moment of anger and judgment over wickedness. The Bible says that there was a long period of time between when He said these events would occur and when the rain started coming down. 120 years mentioned in Genesis 6.3. And we know, based on Noah's references to his age and his son's ages, that the ark took them many years to build. The point is this. God gave time for people to return and repent of their sin. God gave time. And so my question for you is this, as the worship team comes. My question for you is this. In your life, in your situation, in your family, come on, worship team. Would you have the faith of Noah? Would you have the faith of Noah? I love the part in verse 22. Why don't you throw that up there, Rob? Genesis 6:22. Noah did all of this. Noah did all of this. And I, I know this might sound like a little bit of an odd question. But here it goes. Who's your commander? Who lays out the instructions for you? Who gives you direction? Who's steering your ship? Right? And many of us would say a lot of things. Well, my job. Right? My spouse. My kids. Right? My billfold. Myself. Me. Right? What would it look like if we bought into the type of faith of Noah where God was in control of everything in our lives.
that by faith we trusted everything that he said in this book. You see, again, Noah didn't know the end of the story. He built that boat, he built that floating device not knowing the end of the story, not knowing Jesus, not knowing the Holy Spirit, not knowing any of those things that were to come that we have the benefit of having right here in front of us the scriptures, the holy scriptures of God, right? Where we know the end of the story. That Noah was saved. That there was still corruption and destruction after Noah. But God had made a covenant to never do this again with Noah and his people, right? But then he sent Jesus a Savior to bridge the gap, to pay the penalty of sin, and, and, then, and then crucified Him, and then raised Him from the dead, and then Jesus goes back to heaven to be, with, to be with His Father to prepare a place for all of those who would believe and trust in Him. And then the rest of Scripture is that a church was birthed with a mission to tell the story that all would know and have the opportunity to believe the message. And that's us. Still today. Would you have the faith of Noah? Would you allow God to drive your ship? To lead you? Direct you? Every step of the way. That's my prayer for us as a church. That's my prayer for you this morning as an individual and for your family is that God would be your commander and that we would trust Him in response. Let's pray. So God, I pray for each and every person in this room, for each and every person listening to this or that will listen to this later. God, that we would submit ourselves to You, submit our lives to You, our plans, our agendas, the things that we've placed ahead of You, above You. God, that we would come in line with You, that we would trust You with everything. And so God, I pray for submission in this room to You, the one true God, who desires to lead us, who remembers us, who cares for us, who made a way for us with every part of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.